It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. 97 Woods or Chat with Glenn on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app from K2 Radio. Thirty-six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Thanks to everybody out there. I got people like uh, Grandpa Rich to name one. And let's see. Uh, Marcy. Uh, no, I don't have an answer for you. There are a couple other people here who wrote me notes. Here we go. Taylor's and Casper. What about Lander Lil? Now, Lander Lil is our answer here in Wyoming to Punxsutawney Phil. Lander Lil is a not a groundhog, but a prairie dog. And just like Punxsutawney Phil pops his head up out of the snow. So does Lander Lil. And just so you know, Miss Mary, I'm quickly writing up an article, which I'll let you know when I have that ready. It'll be real quick about her prediction. Lander Lil stuck her head up out of a whole pile of snow because, you know, we've been getting piled on here in Wyoming and said, screw this and went back to bed. So that's six more weeks of winter right there. For those just joining me, Punxsutawney Phil predicted the same thing. Now, he is wrong two thirds of the time. Punxsutawney Phil is wrong two-thirds of the time. Our Wyoming Lander Lil is right 55% of the time. But think about it. Punxsutawney Phil, who's wrong two-thirds of the time, is more accurate than Al Gore and the cult of climate change could ever hope to be because they are way wronger than that. All right. Another st- uh, triple eight ninety seven Woods, the phone number, by the way, 888-97-W-O-O-D-S to get in on the action. You don't have to talk about what I'm talking about. Real quick side note for you. I wanted to talk. I've been looking at the story for a couple of days. I wanted to toss it out there. There are some news organizations out there who are considered to be major news organizations. And at one time they were. But can you really consider it a major news organization when there are people doing podcasts and YouTube videos out there? that get more traffic than, let's say, CNN. CNN has some evening talk shows that get less viewership than some of the most popular podcasts and video channels on YouTube, and just podcasts in general. And some of these uh, vloggers that are out there, and bloggers, don't want to work for someone like CNN. They're making more money where they are. Believe it or not. Sorry. Headline, CNN continues to plummet to unknown depths. Worst ratings week in nine years. To say it's been a bad week would be a criminal understatement, the story says. Cable News Network continues to plummet to unimaginable lows as the company scrambles to do something, anything to bring it back to relevance again. And they keep trying new talks. One of the big mistakes I think they made They keep trying new talk shows with the same staff, rearranging who is what. And I know it's hard to get some of these people out of their contracts, but they're rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, essentially, is what they're doing. And it hasn't been working. And I keep saying they need to go back to doing things like, remember when they used to do news? Just wrapping up the story, CNN just notched its lowest ratings in nine years across all day parts. All day parts, January 16th through January 22nd, according to Nielsen. And they have an average of just uh, 444,000 viewers in prime time. 
93,000 in the all-important 25 to 54 demographic. These are horrible ratings. Again, there are people that do things like podcasts that have higher ratings than that. How is CNN even still on the air at this point? I don't know, but they they fix it or good riddance to you, CNN, which is a shame because they kind of started it all when it came to Cable News Network. All right, off we go to talk to our friend in in the Toronto County area. Hey, Jude. Hey, good morning. Um, I read an article by Greenpeace, and they're definitely saying that the wind towers messes with the whale's sonar. Okay. And that's what's beaching them. But that's what their conclusions are. But right. I tend to believe that, too. Yeah. But anyway, the reason I called is uh, Antelope Hill is about 20 miles outside of Casper here. And to me, they pay property taxes just like I do. Right. And they're entitled to road and bridge going out there and uh, doing their roads and stuff. But I also know, because uh, Mike Hagler is a pretty good friend of mine, um, the county has been cutting his budget for about the last five years. Every year, a pretty good chunk and a bigger chunk and a bigger chunk. Mm-hmm. And he can't get parts to fix what's in his garage over there. So we're kind of short on uh, snow removal because they don't, they can't get any parts to fix their trucks. Okay. And, and anyway, I wanted to uh, lobby for Mike Hagler. I think his budget needs to definitely be increased. Um, they keep asking what we want to do with that $100 million they got from the hospital. Well, I say give a good chunk to Mike so he can keep up on these roads and see if he can find parts for his uh, snow stuff and salt trucks and all of that. Because uh, we have about 800 miles of roads in, in Natrona County, but a lot of them aren't real necessary, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, they're just doing them because they're over in that area or whatever. But we need to give Mike a bigger budget, and we need to take care of Antelope Hills. They do pay their taxes just like I do, just like everyone else, and they're entitled to the services as well. Okay. All right. So, let's uh, let's see what the are next... Are we on for dinner Saturday? Yes. Now oh, that good. things have okay. finally calmed down out there, we can get outside. I know. I'm just now getting out today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we have yeah. a salesman here who has been stuck at home for several days. He finally just got out today. He has not been able to show up for work because he's been snowed in. That's me, too. And yeah. my husband got stuck, and he was stuck for about four hours. And mm-hmm. it's a good thing I have a neighbor at the end of the road on each side because mm-hmm. they both have uh, tractors, and yeah. <laughs> they can dig you out if you're stuck at one end or the other. Yeah. So. Just remember, though, snow is now a thing of the past, and you're going to need to explain oh, yeah. it to well, your well, kids because they're not going to know what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I just argue with my uh, buddy, Harry Bondi, over global warming. Yeah. Uh, he was in town, and he said, oh, it's because of global warming. I'm going, you're an intelligent, <laughs> articulate, 40-year lawyer, and you're still buying this stuff? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Judy. Yeah. The snow is supposed to be a thing of the past? I just finished researching my family tree on this Internet site. Great. Sounds fun. Well... You don't sound too excited about it. My ancestors were lame. Most were peasants. No one did anything interesting in any...
any of the Great Wars. They were all assigned to cleaning out the latrines and digging graves. No kings or lords in your lineage? I wish. A lot of them spent most of their time in jail, and they weren't even interesting criminals. Look, this guy was hung for trying to steal a dead pig from a homeless man. I wish my family tree didn't suck. Would you like to buy a new one? What? Really? I can do that? Sure. At Recestry.com, we'll erase your old ancestors from history. Birth certificates, evidence of inbreeding with marriage certificates, arrest records, dishonorable discharges from the military, everything. Wow. And I can have a new family lineage? No problem. Recestry.com will invent a whole new family lineage for you. From birth certificates to old family photographs? How would you like us to link you to a royal family? Would I ever. And for a little extra, we'll even provide documentation including DNA records. Linking you to a real rich living relative so you can file a claim for paternity or inheritance. Wow, I'm gonna be rich. Recestry.com because you deserve better than your loser inbred family lineage. See, that's one of those business ideas I came up with a little while ago and never did anything with. I could be rich if I actually started Recestry.com. So wake up my own Coming up next time, how Glenn Woods fits in your pocket with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Forty-eight's the time off. We go to the icebox. Frank Gambino's waiting by. So, okay, Frank, I went over to Wild Preps because there's always something going on at Wild Preps for those people. Always something going on, yep. And you can always just download the Wild Preps app for free. Free, free, okay. free. Okay, and so we have your buddy David settle there. He mm-hmm. writes a article on Douglas's Lauren Olson. Yeah, a thousand points since he's wow. only a sophomore. Wow, that's huge. And also, I don't know, but just judging by her picture, she looks tall. She's not as tall as you think. No, really? Okay, so it's just the picture that makes her look really tall? Yeah. So okay. I, I, I talked to her... Um, I think we were in Burns uh, right. at a tur- or somewhere, you know, and um, and you know she's very very uh, articulate, okay. and her sister, uh, older sister who plays at the college level now, was really good, and All and right. she may be better than her sister. Wow. And okay. So let's talk. Uh, what what are things like averages for points, and what does it mean to get a thousand points at her level where she is right now? Well, sometimes it takes you to your senior year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like if you were to average, you know, 20 points a game for 20 games, that's what, 400 right there. Yeah. And then another, that'd be one year, and maybe maybe more. So at, at her rate, she's probably averaging 22 points a game okay. and playing maybe more, well more than 20 games a year. So um, that'd be about right. I'd have to look it up because, and also, Wild Preps has all the uh, stats for every. Basketball okay. team. Good. Now, so in your talk with her, did you is she too young for this, or did you get any oh, no. idea about what she wants she, to do? Well, I mean, not at the next level. I, I you know, I, I don't know. I don't think maybe okay. she doesn't either. But I'll tell you what. When I asked her, I go, she dribbles. Yeah. She's the point guard. She shoots. She drives. She plays defense. And and I go, are you okay with that? And he goes, yeah. I like being in control of the game. Okay. Oh, well, that's good. Okay. So that means at this point. There's probably some universities out there. Oh, well, oh yeah. Yeah. And so she might be able to just write her ticket as to where she wants to go. She just keeps this up. And one one way or another. Okay. I, I think, you know, some, if you want to continue to play, she, she, she certainly, at the pace she's at, 
will be a college-level player. Somebody okay. will take her. That's Okay, that's what I wanted to hear. It looked like, because she did this sort of early on, what I'm judging. Yeah, I mean, early, yeah, you, yeah. You, could, you could take four years to get that, right, that much. Just, boy, boom, done. Congratulations. All righty, National Signing Day in college football. The Wyoming Cowboys have a whole bunch of new players, a whole bunch of transfers. Out of the transfers, there are two Wyoming natives, Javon Davis from Kelly Walsh, who played at Black Hill State in South Dakota a year ago, and Lucas Chappelle from Star Valley, who played at Snow College in Utah. Folks also have three in-state signees that will be preferred walk-ons. Abraham Bangora from Laramie is a 4A all-state offensive lineman. Cody Crawford from the Trotum was the 4A lineman of the year. And also outstanding all-around athlete Caitlin LaFrambeau from Thunder Basin will be joining the Pokes as a preferred walk-on. In junior college basketball from last night, the Casper College ladies prevailed over Eastern Wyoming at the Erickson Gym, 88-47. Flora Goethe with 15 points and 11 rebounds for the Birds. The team also honored longtime head coach Dwight Ganeri, who had an astounding 500 career wins uh, combined with Miles City and Casper College. Lady T-Birds are 20 and three rated 19th in the country. The Casper College men now 17 and five after a 100 to 69 win over Eastern Wyoming last night. Both the Casper College teams will be at Western Wyoming on Saturday. The LCCC women's basketball team from Cheyenne lost to Northwest DePaul on the road last night, 76-59. They're 15 and six on the year. The LCCC men's team lost to Powell, 80 to 73. So the Golden Eagles are 11 and eight in women's college basketball at the Division One level. The Wyoming Cowgirls will host San Jose State tonight in Laramie. The Cowgirls are 14 and seven overall. 7-3 and three in Mountain West Conference play after a road win over Boise State over the weekend. San Jose State has really, really, really struggled. They are 3-18 and 1-9 and and in league play and is a 6-30 star from the double-A tonight. Our wildprepstock.com high school basketball poll is out in 4A girls. Cody remains number one. Cheyenne East 2, Laramie 3, Campbell County 4, and Cheyenne Central 5. In 3A, Douglas is still number one, followed by Buffalo, Mountain View, Lyman, and Newcastle. Wyoming Indian leads the 2A ranks with Rocky Mountain 2nd, Tongue River third, Cameron fourth, and Lingle four, Laramie fifth, and in 1A girls, Southeast is still number one, followed by Burlington, Upton, Riverside, and Cokeville. In our Wild Preps boys high school basketball poll, Cheyenne East one, Cheyenne Central two, Riverton three, Jackson four, and Sheridan five. Douglas still number one in 3A, followed by Worland, Powell, Lander, and Lyman. Tongue River at number one in 2A, Pine Bluff second, Bighorn third, Rocky Mountain fourth, and Wind River fifth, and in 1A, Saratoga number one, followed by Burlington, Southeast, Cokeville, and Little Snake River from Bags. That's it in sports. By the way, since Punxsutawney Phil did its thing, today. you know what he sees. You know he yeah. sees it every year. Yeah, it's I almost know. like you know, just get rid of it. Now he's... And, and Lander Lil, whatever happened to Lander okay, Lil? Okay, that's what I was about to say. So Punxsutawney, I found out, is wrong two thirds of the time. Lander Lil is right fifty five percent of the time. I think the difference is Punxsutawney Phil, they yank him out of his hole, yeah. hold him up in front of a cheering crowd. Yeah. He hasn't even had his coffee yet. Who's going to make a good prediction under those circumstances? Lander Lil is allowed to wake up at her own pace. Right. She's have breakfast first. Yeah. Then she'll tell you what she thinks. So she's, she's more accurate. She I, predicted six more weeks of winter, probably because of the six feet of snow on top of her hole. Yes, I, I, I would say this. I don't care what the accuracy rates is. We're going to have six more weeks of winter no matter what they no say. Matter, right. So, so there, so there you go. You heard uh, Casper Frank's <laughs> prediction. I think he's right. Pull me out of my hole for that. <laughs> That's right. Coming up on some local business news time, weather forecast. Wake up, my
9.06 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. We're into an open phone segment. So 888-97-WOODS is the number. Well, I like guns. I like the way they look. I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale. Hell, I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I'm just playing that song for you because I did this story that I have up here. Once again, some people missing the point. Marylanders, the headline says, calling for stricter gun laws because of teen violence. Okay. There's a clue there that they're missing. If the problem is teen violence, then stricter gun laws is not going to solve it because the problem isn't the gun. The problem is the teens. Always the case when it comes down, I, I've said this before, don't care what tool somebody uses. I am not concerned with what tool somebody uses. What I'm concerned with is the person using the tool and what their problem is. The story here says hundreds of gun safety advocates gathered. In, what about teen safety advocates? What about that? Gathered in Annapolis on Tuesday, pleading for people to put down their guns. How often does that work, by the way? If some person is just unhinged, crazy, they have mental disorders, pleading with them to put out their gun has worked how often? I can ask it another way. Putting up a gun-free zone sign happens, works how often? Whenever a politician says, we need to make sure this never happens again, that works how often? Story says on gun safety advocacy, those in the crowd, including many mothers, push for tougher gun laws. Okay, well, I hate to do this. Well, it's a story here says in January, three teenagers younger than the age of 18 were shot and killed in Baltimore. So to the moms out there, I mean, I don't mean to sound cold and heartless, and if they could hear me, they would really not like what I was saying, but okay, let's go ahead and say it. Hey, moms, you really, if this is the problem, the problem is not that there's a gun laying around. The problem is your kid. And that's your responsibility, to make sure your kid's not doing stuff like this. What's your kid doing running around with a gun shooting people? Didn't you raise them better than that? Did you? Okay. I would say it's their parents' responsibility to raise their kids better. That rather than blaming an inanimate object, which the, the gun's not going to do anything until somebody with bad intention picks it up. Somebody with good intention, hey, they can pick up the gun, nothing bad's going to happen. Somebody who intends to do bad picks up the gun, something bad's going to happen. So since these are teenagers and they're supposed to be you know, raised by their parents, what are the parents doing wrong here is what I want to know. So I wouldn't waste my efforts. I wouldn't waste my efforts on more gun control legislation, I would have instead teen control, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, get them in control, and I think we've solved the problem. I just, Miss Mary's taking a look at it right now. I just put a story up. In fact, while she's looking at it, hang on, da -da, yep, got that, okay. So you go to the Wake Up Wyoming site, and you can use your app to do that. She'll alert it out at some point. People have been asking since the story was Punxsutawney Phil made his prediction, and if you didn't hear me first sing this morning, I was pointing out that Punxsutawney Phil is wrong two-thirds of the time. All right? That means if he gets it right, he got lucky. 
he's wrong two-thirds of the time, which is still more accurate than Al Gore at his weather predictions or anybody else in the cult of climate change in their weather predictions. Far more accurate. And yet, who does the media cover? And for that matter, I think this is a great illustration. The news media covers every single year with great hype Punxsutawney Phil. And yet, he's constantly wrong. So when you take a look at your cult of climate change, which is constantly wrong, and yet they still hype that as well, do you see a trend here? Okay, so people were asking me about Wyoming's Lander Lil. Lander Lil is not a groundhog, but a prairie dog. Lander Lil is correct 55% of the time. Hmm. Okay, so the headline I put, Wyoming's Lander Lil consistently outpredicts Punxsutawney Phil. Hmm. Now, I think I have a theory as to the two. With Punxsutawney Phil, he's asleep. He's just enjoying himself a nice long winter nap. And somebody comes along and grabs him by the back of the neck and pulls him out of bed. That's shocking, right? So he's already waking up in shock, and he's not going to be in a good mood. They didn't get him breakfast. He hadn't had a cup of coffee yet. And holding him by the back of the neck, they lift him up in front of a screaming crowd. And then they ask him, demand that he make a prediction of the weather. He's still rubbing the sleep out of his eyes. He's probably really annoyed and has no idea what's going on. So how do you think his prediction's going to go? Exactly. Lander, well, if you wonder why is Al Gore so wrong, because he's just stupid and a liar. But okay. Lander Lil, on the other hand, in Lander, Wyoming, they allow her to wake up at her own pace. She's got a chance to go to the little uh, prairie dog's room and relieve herself get her hair done, you know, whatever they do to, I don't know if they brush her teeth first thing in the morning, whatever. She gets to have uh, breakfast and a cup of coffee, if that's what she does. And then at some point, she sticks her head out of the hole at her own pace. When she stuck her head out of the hole this morning, it was through several feet of snow. Lander Lil looked around and said, screw this, and went back into her hole and went back to bed. That tells us here in Wyoming, six more weeks of winter. Now, there's a way that I have to predict this. See, in my mind, if I can't get out of my driveway, see, they do this. You see where I'm going with this? They make these predictions, these groundhogs and other such animals around the country. They make these predictions February 2nd. If on February 2nd, I can't get out of my driveway to get to work, or can't get into my driveway when I get back home, then we're gonna have six more weeks of winter. If on the other hand, February 2nd, I can just pull right out of my driveway when I get home, I just drive right back in, then we're not gonna have six more weeks of winter. In fact, last night while I was trying to sleep, late at night, it wasn't just the snow plows outside of my front window. You know those big mega machines that go down the road eating up the snow and spitting it out far, many, many yards away? They had those on my road. When I look at that and say, oh, that thing, that's that machine is not hibernating. It's out active and eating snow. 
six more weeks of winter. Another way to predict it is when people like Al Gore say winter is over. Remember, he said that we're not supposed to have snow at the North Pole in the summertime anymore. Whatever they say is just nonsense. Move on. 915, wake up Wyoming. On K2 Radio, join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Nine twenty is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Claude Woods. Thanks for joining me. Triple eight ninety seven Woods phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. Since I was talking about uh, things like Lander Lil, for example, who's much more accurate than Punxsutawney Phil, I remember. And this is not me creating something in the studio. This actually happened. There was a kid who was crying. Because the weatherman said, this is the first day of spring. Winter is over. Tell me why you're crying. Because it's the wrong weather forecast. What do you mean by that? Why is it the wrong weather forecast? Because of snowy, cloudy, and cold. And what should it be? Warm outside. Why? Because it's the first day of spring. And then... You want it to be warm outside already? Yeah. Okay. You told me it, it should be warm outside. I know. I did tell you it was going to be warm outside in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just, I promise it's going to be warm. Oh, the poor kid. His whole world is just crumbling there. Well, okay. We were told a whole lot of things uh, that never came true, and... Uh, you know, you see us whining and crying. We're making fun of the people who made those lousy predictions, Al Gore. Okay, <clears throat> real quick, to, and you can interrupt me, change the subject if you want. Triple eight ninety seven Woods, the phone number. A couple of stories from around the country. NYPD sees the largest staff exodus in decades, with leaders refusing to acknowledge the crisis and make the changes they really need to make. New York City Police Department lost more staff members last year than it has in the past two decades. Things gotten so bad, criminals could be emboldened, say people in the Big Apple. Quote, NYPD playing a dangerous game by refusing to acknowledge and address recruitment and retention problems. New Yorkers are demanding more police presence instead of defunding the police. In their neighborhoods, subway, things like that. The department needed at least 1,200 new recruits to reach its budgeted headcount. And about 2,500 new recruits if the force wants to get back to just 2019 levels, according to data. Instead, the department got 543 recruits, and there's more people retiring and just quitting and going off somewhere else than are being recruited. So that's a deficit. Data from the NYC Police Department found obtained by Fox News Digital, 1,955 members of the force have retired in 2022 and another 1,746 quit, meaning a total of 3,701 left in the ranks. It's the largest figure recorded in 20 years. They have problems. And I, as far as what the problems are and how to fix it, I, the shortage can be blamed on a lot of things. 
including the whole defund the police movement. But Philadelphia is bracing to lose more officers this year. Number of recruits in the city is way down. The deficit is compounded by the department already being down at least a thousand cops. And by the way, I don't know what our levels are here in the state of Wyoming, but if anybody out there who is a police officer from one of these places that just treats you like dirt because you're a police officer. Okay, we tend to feel a whole lot different about you here in the state of Wyoming. We do things differently, but the pay is good. The people are good. You get treated a lot better. We don't have a defund the police movement. So if you wanted to find some place to move to, you would probably just love it out here. Cost of living is great, too. Hey, we don't have a state income tax, just so you know. All right, so just just give that a thought. I have met quite a few officers who've come in from out of state. They just left the big cities and had just enough of that, and they came to Wyoming and found it a much better experience. All right, another story. American Library Association gives grants to libraries to help educate patrons on the climate crisis. So once again, there's an assumption there. We're in a climate crisis. American Library, 25 libraries that received American Library Association Resilient Communities Grant to help educate patrons on the climate crisis. The Resilient Committee's six-month pilot program, which I should say six-month plot, which began October 2020, has provided uh, $1,000 to libraries each to host programs and offer materials and other resources to address climate change and issues like environmental justice, sustainability, emergency preparedness. With grant funding, now, as this talks about this, recycling, stuff like that, as the story talks about this, I'm thinking, yeah, but when libraries have events like this, in most cases, most of the people who go are people who already believe this stuff. It's preaching to the choir. Quote, it's really helped us make connections with students. Now, there's the problem, which gets them into the library learning about things. Now, okay. Now, I wonder, though, if we showed up, let, let's say we got together with an organization like this, right? And we decided to donate money, uh, grant money, to different libraries to talk about the other side of the issue. Do you think that they would let us in the door? And it's, I don't know, I'm asking the question, do you think they would take the money and implement the programs? I kind of wonder. Now, it's supposed to be a public library, in which case, because it's a public library, they're supposed to bring every side of the story in, right? So if somebody disagrees, well, I'm going to go ahead and offer material on the other point of view of it. Let's see if they would actually do that. I would kind of doubt that they would. In, in all fairness, I don't think that they would. But then again, I've got a different opinion on libraries than a lot of people out there do. Personally, because I'm more, remember, I'm more of the libertarian kind of guy, right? I And I'm a guy who's, I've written some books, some fiction and nonfiction works. As far as I'm concerned, libraries are perfect for dead authors. In other words, when I'm gone, when I'm dead and gone, if you want to put my book in the library, go ahead. But while I'm alive, I don't want people reading my work for free. 
And I've had people say to me, but Glenn, you know, write your book to make a profit. Really? What do you think publishing is? It's an industry. It's an industry. And besides, everything that's available at a library, you can now get other places anyway. And also, a public library is constantly battling over one bias or the next. You, you hear the constant problems at libraries. I am perfectly okay if somebody wants to start a library that has nothing but religious material and those libraries exist, do that. If you want a library that's nothing but leftist material and those libraries do exist, do that. But the idea of the public library is something which I look at as a uh, shrug my shoulders and go, don't really need it. I know a lot of people disagree with me on that, but that's one thing I would not spend taxpayer money on. Just to, you know, sorry, but any information that's in the library, I can go ahead and get it without the library's help. Hello, White Eagle. He's in a rapper. Did you read the full article on the rodeo bill? There was an activist from California that thinks Wyoming needs more Californication. No, I didn't get that far down into it, but I know that they exist in the state of Wyoming. And so far, that's being rejected. I, Eddie John Glenn, my nephew, is NYPD. On his union website, he says there are over 20 other police departments, including Aurora, Colorado, recruiting cops. I'd be better to work in Colorado than New York, that's for sure. Coming up on 930, local news, weather forecasts, more open phones, Wake Up Wyoming. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join in at 888-97-WOODS. Thirty six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Triple eight ninety seven Woods. The phone number. Off we go to talk to Mike and Casper. Morning, Mike. Oh wait a second, he's not through yet. <laughs> yeah, Miss Mary. I don't see Mike up on the board here. If you can go ahead and send him through, I'll put him up on there immediately. By the way, Triple eight ninety seven Woods is the phone number. But also, if you hear me talking to people, I'm not just talking to myself, which I do all the time, every day on this program. But these are people who are sending me notes off of the app. Morning, Mike. Yes. Uh, we just had the big powwow with the World Economic Forum in Davos. Yeah. Or Davos, as they call it, whatever. Uh -huh. I thought well, you could, we could do one here in Wyoming. We'll call it the Wyoming Economic Forum, and we'll discuss how uh, globalists are bad for the environment. Yeah, that's a what great idea. At you the, can host it. We'll do it this summer. Make at the like same time, I'm watching on this ridiculously large television they have here in my studio. Here are Democrats who are talking about the debt ceiling and what they think we should be spending money on. And none of what they're saying has anything to do with reducing spending. It's all about how we need to tax more. Yeah, you could be the host. So I, I'd be happy to host something like that. Who do you we'll think bring we in all the some big? We'll bring in some big names too. Yeah, fly big jets in too. <laughs> yeah, increase that carbon footprint. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mike. Well, no, it, it it's not surprising. Not just what Mike said there, but again, I'm looking over here. In fact, I'm going to shut it off. It's just annoying to watch. Here's all these Democrats talking about we. Because well, remember now, they've reached their debt ceiling in Congress again, and as they reach that debt ceiling. Here comes the fight over spending in Washington, D.C. 
And what the Republicans are asking for is completely reasonable. And Republicans are just as guilty as the Democrats, to be very fair about it. But we've got to cut back on spending. And the Democrats are saying, no, we have to raise taxes, especially on those rich people, you know. And not thinking about cutting anything. Their answer is tax more. Hello? It's your roommate. Uh, yeah, funny. I don't have a roommate. Hi. Where are you going? You can't just barge in here. Why not? We share this apartment. We what? Well, the government might have given you this place, but I'm the one paying for it. You are? Uh, yeah. How do you figure that? Ma'am, allow me to introduce myself. I'm a taxpayer. You... You are? Wow. I've heard of you people, but I don't think I've ever met one before. Oh, no, ma'am. We're just a small percentage of the population, but we pay most of the taxes. So you're the one paying for all this stuff? Yes, ma'am. I pay for your house, your food. Electricity, my cell phone, my car, my gas. That's why I'm here. I, I still don't understand. Well, you see, I pay so much in taxes, I can't afford any of this stuff myself. They've given it all to you. So I guess we're just going to have to share. Well, but I... Look, where are the car keys? Oh, no. I just bought that car. Oh, no, ma'am. We bought that car. And I have to get to work so we can keep paying for all of this. Oh, right. Uh, over there on the counter. See you at dinner. Oh, and since I'm paying for all this, I'm taking the master bedroom. Oh. I did see a little while ago we had someone on this program that Miss Marriott booked at. It was from a think tank in Washington, D.C., which, of course, even if it's a think tank in D.C., they're not thinking. And the idea that this guy had is Wyoming needs to charge more in taxation for uh, the royalties we get, if you will, for gas, coal, you know, oil, things like that, crude oil. And his idea was, look at all the money we're leaving on the table. I mean, other places are taxing more. We should tax more because we're leaving a lot of money on the table that could be used for the uh, taxpayers. And right away, he has to go, you know, it can help the schools and the kids. They always got to throw that in. And during the course of the conversation that we had right here on the air, I said to this guy, has it ever occurred to you when you take a look at government waste and all the garbage that they spend it on, how much money just gets wasted, hundreds of billions of dollars every single year disappear into the ether and nobody knows where it went, but also just the stupid programs, the wasteful programs. You ever think instead of trying to raise taxes that maybe government should cut spending? There was a long silence, and this guy came back with, you know, I've been studying this for 20 years. And I said to him, yeah, in 20 years, your answer is still we need to raise more taxes and grow the size of government. It's never struck you that maybe the thing to do is to decrease the – I mean, obviously, when it comes to spending our money and the money of your kids and your grandkids, which are, they're spending that right now, these people are completely incompetent with money. Than with most of everything else they do, too. They're really incompetent. So why would you give them more? You wouldn't, right? Now, I know you don't need a uh, an example on this, but let's make one anyway. Credit card companies, when they notice that somebody is completely incompetent and doesn't pay their credit card bill, 
they cut off their credit because this person, a credit card, you're borrowing money. And if you're not paying it back, then they're not going to loan you money anymore. See, credit card companies know. And yet when it comes to government credit, they just keep raising the debt ceiling. And we can't say, I'm sorry, but you're completely incompetent when it comes to money. So we're not going to give you any more. You're going to get your spending in order. This guy had never thought of that in 20 years of working in a think tank. 942 Wake Up Wyoming. Glenn Woods on air, online, and on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. This is K2 Radio. 948 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino's waiting by here. So Frank came across from one of my favorite parody sites, Babylon B, which often just nails it. Uh, ref totally cost us the game, says guy whose team lost by four touchdowns. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> anyway, there's always a way to complain about the officiating. Yeah. Always. Right. I mean, that's part of, like, your... And it's not just in this country. Uh-huh. I mean... Fans attack referees at soccer games oh my in Lord, Europe. Yeah. How dare you make that call? The only time I ever saw that it was completely egregious, let's go back to the Olympic boxing fiasco. Oh, how of many the of 80s. those? There's, there's, they've gone on for yeah. 50 years. And it was, you remember the one where the Cubans had a uh, ref sitting there, and they were totally calling it for the Cubans. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, it was just a horrible I wonder answer. why they were so good. <laughs> do you yell at the television when you're watching sports? Sometimes I do. Okay. You're yeah. like, uh, hello! Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, did you? I, I've met people who really get into it and are screaming, and I'm wondering, you know, if they get any louder, maybe they actually will hear them at the stadium. Yeah. Well, I, I think this, they, they can hear you. They can, whether, yeah. whether they're listening to you. Oh, now, there's is, the is, next thing. Yeah, it's another thing, which they're not. I did get a chance one time to ask a coach, no, no major team or anything like that, but I asked a coach and some players, when you're out there and you hear all of the fans screaming and so on, can you make out what anybody is saying? Like, no. <laughs> it's just a loud. So everybody who's screaming at the players and the coach to get it together they can't understand, but if they could, I don't think they care. I, I think it's, it's this is that the octave level, yeah, translates into sense of urgency. Right. The louder you're, the coach is yelling. Yeah. The more he wants he or she wants something done right now. Yeah. As opposed, to like, hey, why don't you go do this? Well, now is it when you're standing on the sidelines there, and the coach has something to say to one of the players? I bet you they pretty much have to scream to get over the noise of the crowd. Pretty much. It's like being in a bar that's really noisy, music, and everybody's had a few, and you're trying to talk to the person next to you, and you have to scream at them. And they have, like, radios in the football helmets, so you see the quarterback putting his hands over the okay. his, his I thought they outlawed, so he can still hear. Wait, I thought they outlawed those. No, that, it's still going, I guess, you know. Okay. So, so, so you'll see that quarterback put his hand right over the ear holes of his helmets yeah. so he could hear. Okay. Because this was a long time ago. I remember there was a controversy over radios in the helmet, and they made a rule you couldn't do that. I, I thought saying, you still can. It's just I don't. You know, it's got to be encrypted. You know, so oh, okay. no, no, no one else. Yeah, can somebody's going to bug in. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Take that up with the official. 
National Signing Day in college football. The Wyoming Cowboys have a bunch of new players and a bunch of transfers. Now, out of the transfers are two Wyoming natives, Javon Davis from Kelly Walsh, who played at Black Hill State in South Dakota, and Lucas Chappelle from Star Valley, who played at Snow College in Utah. Pokes have three in-state signees that will be preferred walk-ons. Abraham Van Gora from Laramie, who is a 4A All-State lineman. Cody Crawford from Natrona, who is the 4A Lineman of the Year, and also another outstanding all-around athlete in Caden Laframbrose from Thunder Basin. In junior college basketball from last night, the Casper College women prevailed over Eastern Wyoming uh, at the Erickson Gym last night, 88-47. Florida Goet at 15 points and 11 rebounds. The team also honored longtime head coach Dwight Ganeri, who uh, has 500 career wins, and it's uh, just amazing. The T-Birds are 20-3. and They're rated 19th in the country. The Casper College men beat Eastern Wyoming last night 100-69 to get to 17-5 and on the year. Both of the Casper College teams will be at Western Wyoming on Saturday. The LCCC women's basketball team from Cheyenne lost to Northwest DePaul last night, 76-59. They are 15-6 and on the year. The LCCC men lost to Paul, 80-73, so the Golden Eagles are 11-8. and Women's college basketball at the Division I level. The Wyoming Cowgirls will be at San Jose State tonight in Laramie. The Cowgirls are 14-7 and overall, 7-3 and in Mountain West play after a road win over Boise State over the weekend. San Jose State really has struggled. They are 3-18 and and 1-9 and in the league. That is a 6-30 start from the AA tonight. Our latest wild prep basketball poll is out for the boys. Cheyenne East number one, Cheyenne East two, Riverton three, Jackson four, Sheridan five, and Douglas is still number one in 3A, followed by Worland, Powlander, and Lyman. Tongue River number one in 2A, Pine Bluff second, Bighorn third, Rocky Mountain fourth, Wind River fifth, and in 1A, Saratoga one, Burlington two, Southeast three, Cokeville four, and Little Snake River five. On the girls' side, Cody remains number one, Cheyenne East second, followed by Laramie, Campbell County, and Cheyenne Central. In 3A, Douglas remains number one, followed by Buffalo, Mountain View, Lyman, and Newcastle. Wyoming Indian leads the 2A ranks, Rocky Mountain second, Tongue River third, Kemmerer fourth, and Lingle Fort Laramie fifth. And in 1A girls, Southeast still number one, Burlington two, Upton three, Riverside four, and Cokeville comes in at number five. That's it in sports. So I always start asking you about this time. Planning your weekend? Well, I look at the road conditions first. Yeah. I mean, uh, just because it's open doesn't mean it's great. No, it's not. You know, and, and it yeah. looks still like, like even from like Casper to Rollins still is, you mm-hmm. know, closed, you know, yeah. um, here to Shoshone Riverton, it's the same as it was back on Saturday. Yeah, it's the same color up until a certain point, and yeah. then it's green at, at and a certain point, does, and then yeah. it changes again. And that could change back and, and forth. And, but it hasn't changed in three days. And the wind conditions Four. will pick up Friday, Saturday. Oh. So there you go with your blowing snow again. So okay, I'll ask you again on Friday, which I expect Why don't you to ask hear me on Monday. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> I expect to hear no change on Friday. I don't know. Monday. All right, thank you, Frank. Hey, we're coming up on some local business. We have to. Care. We're going to roll into news time after that national, local update on your weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. the time it is a thursday and i swear i can see the weekend from here we just got the prediction from the big rat punksatani phil i think he might have actually gotten it right this time 
Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call the show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. So Punxsutawney Phil, the big rat that's supposed to predict whether we're going to have a six more weeks of winter or not, has said, yes, six more weeks of winter. Now, he is not very accurate. I mean, when they take a look at, and I'll see if in the story here, what's the number for how accurate? Well, let's see. I'll try this because it doesn't say it in the story. How accurate is Punxsutawney Phil? Okay, that's me. Hang on. I got it. <laughs> uh, there we go. It was masking Google. Okay, Punxsutawney Phil is about 39% success rate in the past 10 years. So he's not really all that good, which might just be better than your weatherman, but okay, 39% accurate here. By the way, Punxsutawney Phil is not a member of the cult of climate change either, but his predictions are actually more accurate than many of the predictions that you get from the cult of climate change. I should pursue that a little bit more because, no, really, I've given you the predictions from the climate cult and how wrong they are. This time, though, he might have actually gotten it right. Yeah, the big rat groundhog said six more weeks of winter, and I'm looking at what's happening around us, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'd say that's probably right, I did, considering how much we're getting right about now. And we do have a bit of a break. You heard Don Day's forecast or from, from the Day Weather Center. Don Watzel's in today because Don's out of town. And believe it or not, Don's out of town when the weather gets a little bit nicer. Things warm up a bit. Wind continues, but things warm up a little bit for a while. And then apparently next week is not bad. But then something else after that. We'll keep you up to date on that. But okay, that's that's it. Six more weeks of winter. All right, now. First story I have up for you. Let's go to the state of California. I do that because one of the things that we produce here in Wyoming is a lot of energy, right? Headline, California mayor wants relief for gas prices of natural gas, which is the very thing that that town is trying to ban. I've got several natural gas stories, including another gas stove update, but let's take a look at this. The story says, as everyone in California has been repeatedly told, natural gas is bad. Of course, all other organic fuels, it says fossil fuels here, but I'm correcting that. All other organic fuels are bad. And that's why the state has passed a law demanding that all energy be produced from what they call renewable. I got to correct that, too, because, as you know, it's not renewable or sustainable or green. But the reality is that the state still uses a lot of natural gas, including in residents' homes, to cook their food. And by the way, pause the story for a minute. By the way, remember it was just a couple of years ago that California, trying to go all wind and solar, started having blackouts and brownouts. And they had to turn back on some of their natural gas power plants. 
in order to fill the gap. And yet they still want to go all wind and solar, when obviously it doesn't work, right? Californians now have noticed something else. Natural gas is suddenly getting really expensive. People's utility bills for this winter have been rising. So now, Long Beach mayor demanding that something be done about these high natural gas prices. Well, hang on. Mr. Long Beach Mayor, you're one of those who wants to ban natural gas. So why not just shut it off if it's too expensive for you? With millions of Southern Californians experiencing sticker shock after receiving their natural gas bills, one local mayor is looking to seek relief. I'm going to pause the story again. Hang on. Weren't you people in California told that if you went all wind and solar, the price of electricity would go down? But the price of electricity has not go, gone down. In fact, it's not only is the price up, but it's also electricity is in short supply. So you'd love to turn to natural gas, but that's going up too. City of Long Beach has sent out a myriad of flyers in recent weeks, hoping to alert residents of the looming bills that everyone knew was going to double or triple over the average cost. So many weren't fully prepared when they saw statements in the mailboxes. Quote, those folks are going to feel a lot more than I am, said Long Beach, Beach Mayor. Uh, that's, that's who I'm concerned about. The city council and the mayor will hold a meeting. They expect to hear from very unhappy voters about their gas bills. So what's driving the price spike? What can be the municipal government of Long Beach's problem? What are they doing about it? The answer to the first question is obvious. America is still sitting on some of the largest proven natural gas reserves in the world. And by the way, when we take a look at what causes natural gas, this is why I've said to you before, there is no such thing as a fossil fuel. So if we just take natural gas, for example, natural gas is created constantly because something is either farting or burping or decomposing. That's what creates natural gas and is being created all the time. So that's something that we can constantly find and use. Okay? We have enough natural gas to keep us going well into the next century. And again, more is being created all the time. Story says, but when you live under the administration that vilifies the oil and gas industry, shuts down construction pipeline, and fails to hold drilling permit auctions, and when they do give someone oh, the, the right, you can go ahead and, and lease that land and go ahead and drill there, then the permitting process takes over a decade. But that's not a situation that turns around overnight just because you're hearing from angry voters. Your political career is in trouble. Democrats aren't about to back down and embrace natural gas. Even if they did, it'd take a while to restore us to previous production levels. So the mayor is looking to pull off some fancy footwork or something and artificially move the price of natural gas. He wants to take some of the windfall money, as he calls it, basically tax the gas companies and hand it back to the, uh, the, well, the residents there in his city. That plan might actually work for a little while, but in the long term, that never works. So, okay, th these are the people who work to shut this stuff down. And as they try to shut this stuff down, it gets more expensive. And then they wonder why things are so expensive. Now, I do have an update also on the natural gas story 
uh, when it comes to gas stoves and so here come the bureaucrats again. Now, they're not trying to take your natural gas stove from you, but, of course, they're at work again. That could be the ultimate goal. Morning, John. John is up in Gillette. So Don Day should not be nervous that Phil is after his job. No. I'd say Don Day is a lot more accurate than Punxsutawney Phil. But, John, I tell you what I want to do is here's a neat idea that I'm developing here while I'm talking into the microphone. All right. Let's take a look at the accuracy, the climate prediction accuracy of Punxsutawney Phil, which is horrible compared to the climate change accuracy of the cult of climate change, which is even worse. <laughs> so Punxsutawney Phil is more, at, who's not good at all at predicting what winter's going to do, is actually more accurate than what you hear from people like Al Gore and others like that. Right? I can go ahead and put those numbers together. I think I'm onto something here. 616, wake up Wyoming. Sometimes the best way. News, weather, and a pocket full of opinions. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Six nineteen is the time. It's wake up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me Thursday. So, okay, let's take a look. And I'm doing this on the fly here. By the way, I-80 John in Granite Canyon. Morning, Glenn. Double Punxsutawney Phil's prediction for Wyoming. Punxsutawney Phil, that big rat that they pull out every single year to predict it. We're going to have six more weeks of winter. Said six more weeks of winter and double it for Wyoming. My sister dear in Lake Wales, Florida, Phil is much cuter than Al Gore, so of course weather predictions are better. Yeah. And that's part of now, pardon me for doing this. I'm going to figure this out on the fly to see if I'm on to something. Speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, Al Gore. You're driving a big car. I come on your radio. I say the end's closed. You just say no I say it's global warming But you call me a liar But this planet's on fire So let's just take a look at, first off, the predictions of Punxsutawney Phil. And he's not the only one. You know, Wyoming, we have our own groundhog that we pull out and he's actually a little more accurate than Punxsutawney Phil but okay Punxsutawney Phil's the big one that everybody looks to well according to this article I'm looking at here by Channel 13 News I don't uh, West Virginia some reporter looked into it and they did a whole graph and it's a really cute looking graph here okay basically what it says is in the past 10 years he's been correct about 40% of the time Punxsutawney Phil has been correct about six more weeks of winter, about 40% of the time. Not really good. In fact, I was surprised it was even that high. Now, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to go, before I get into some of the other, and I'm not going to spend the morning, I've done this every so often, all these failed climate change predictions and so on, but I want to get Al Gore's prediction right. Here we go. The, this is Al Gore back in 2009. The North Pole will be ice-free in the summer by 2013, 
because of man-made global warming. He said that in 2009. Okay, well, here we are. He also said the polar bear population would be gone by now. That didn't happen. Okay, so I can go through all these. Al Gore's usually just quoting somebody else. When he says the North Pole will be ice-free by 2009 and it doesn't happen, he was quoting somebody else. But that gives you an idea of the accuracy of the cult of climate change and how their predictions just, just don't come true. New York, well, let me go through some of the predictions. And Al has repeated many of these. Remember 1967, dire famine by 1975. 1969, it was forecasted everyone will disappear in a cloud of blue steam. Yeah, that was actually a prediction. 1970, an ice age by the year 2000. That didn't happen. 1970, American will be subject to water rationing by 1974. And food rationing by 1980 didn't happen. New coming ice age by the year 2020. It's now 2023. Didn't happen. That was prediction was made in 1971. So by 2020, new ice age. It's now 2023. I know some of you in Wyoming might look outside and go, well, I kind of believe it about now. Let's see, uh, 1974, space satellites show Ice Age coming. 1974, again, another Ice Age. Uh, 1976, scientific consensus, the planet is cooling. 1978, no end in sight for a 30-year cooling trend. 1988, regional droughts, that never happened. Let's see, uh, 1988 was predicted temperatures in D.C. will hit record highs. Now, here comes my favorite one. There's a lot of predictions that I love to point out, but this is one of my favorite ones. In, 1990, in 1988, it was predicted by the cults of climate change that the Maldives Islands would be underwater by 2018. They're not. It's 2023. They're just fine. Those islands are just fine. In 1989, rising sea levels would obliterate nations if nothing's done. Like the United Kingdom is supposed to be gone by now. In 1989, it was predicted New York City's West Side Highway would be underwater by 2019. It's not. And then there's that other great prediction I love. In the year 2000, uh, children won't know what snow is. I suggest you take them outside and show them snow and explain it to them because they don't understand. 2002, famine in 10 years. If we don't give up eating fish, meat, and dairy. Well, 2004, Britain will be, uh, let's see, basically Siberia by 2024. It's 2023, and Britain doesn't look anything like Siberia. <clears throat> 2008, the Arctic will be ice-free by 2018. In 2008, it was predicted the Arctic will be ice-free by 2018. Then there's the Al Gore prediction. Uh, 2008, climate genius Al Gore predicts ice-free by 2013. 2009, climate genius Prince Charles says we'll have 96 months to save the world. 2009, UK Prime Minister says 50 days to save the planet. 2009, climate genius Al Gore moves 2013 prediction of Arctic free ice to 2014. Still didn't happen. Then he moved it to 2015. Still didn't happen. Uh, let me see. Uh, 2014, only 500 days before a climate chaos. Never happened. 1968, overpopulation will spread worldwide. Now we run out of resources. Didn't happen. Love this one. 1966, oil gone in 10 years. So by 1976, the oil was supposed to be gone. 
1972, they kicked that can way down the road. 1972, oil will be gone in 20 years. Didn't happen. 1977, Department of Energy says oil will peak in the 90s. Nope. And then they said it'll peak in 2000. No. It'll peak in 2020. No. 2006, they predicted super hurricanes. Because right now, hurricanes go up to Category 5. We'll have super hurricanes. Didn't happen. 2005, they told you Manhattan would be underwater by 2015. Manhattan is fine. 1970, urban citizens will require gas masks by 1985. 1970, nitrogen buildup will make all land unusable. Didn't happen. 1970 was predicted uh, decaying pollution will kill all the fish. And, oh, don't forget the killer bees of the 1970s. I have more of this. I can keep going. And, you know, sometimes I've taken the entire four-hour program to read this stuff. So, so, yeah, there's cooling the world. There's Oh, yeah, there's snowfall singing. In the, oh, you get the idea. I can keep going. So, when I take a look at the prediction of Punxsutawney Phil, who in the past decade has been correct about whether we're going to have more winter or less. He's, per, he's correct about 40% of the time. That is better than the predictions of the cult of climate change. I don't see that they're anywhere near this good. In fact, I, th there may have been a few climate predictions that have come true, but I haven't seen them yet. And yet they keep making these dire predictions. And the news media keeps running with these dire predictions. And yet still, I haven't seen any of these predictions coming true yet. Morning, Dave. David's in Grable. In Wyoming, six more weeks of winter is an early spring. I get it. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Six, Especially this year. We got a lot of snow this year, uh, which is good because this has been drought buster stuff. And I've shown, there were those predictions about, well, the way this drought is going, dire predictions. And yet, if you take a look at the trends over time, in fact, I have had meteorologist Don Day on this program to discuss those trends. And the trends show that we go through, forget, you know, there's spring, summer, winter, fall, of course, but there's longer trends. If you know the science, you understand. And those longer trends, sometimes we'll go through several years of dry and several years of a lot of snow. Well, we just got done with three years of really dry, and now here comes all the snow again. It's been a very snowy winter. When I first moved to Wyoming, wow, we got nailed with some snow. And then I remember a couple of years of some serious droughts, and then we came out and got really wet again. Then we went dry again. Now we're coming wet again. It, do you sense a pattern after a while? Okay, coming up on some local news, right after local news. Update on your weather forecast. Speaking of that, you and I get back into it again. Oh, and then there's that extended forecast from day weather because temperatures will be warming up a bit. But as warm weather comes in, you know, it gets pushed in by wind. So we do have some windy weather, which will affect your road conditions. We'll talk about that coming up at 645 this morning. Let's wake up, Wyoming.
Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Six the time. Rianne for danger. Apparently, those guys should stop making predictions. Just join me. I was making the comparison. Punxsutawney Phil, that groundhog, or the big rat, as I call him, predicts six more weeks of winter, and he's more accurate, which he's not very accurate. He's more accurate than the cult of climate change. Greg and Cheyenne, historically speaking, late March through mid-May is our wettest troop. We've gotten a lot, take a bit of a break, we get into spring, and then we get a lot more. And we always, you ever notice, Greg, we always have that prediction of when's that last storm going to be? Everybody everybody I know sits around wondering after we're done with winter and we're into spring, when is that one last, and there's always that one last really big storm. And I think it's Mother Nature. We know she's up to it. We know because we go through it every single year. But, okay, it's all spring. It's pretty outside. Everybody's out playing. Yeah. Then Mother Nature comes along, goes slap, and drops us back into winter for a little while. And then we come out of it again. Every single year, that's the case. Okay, so, yes, it is true. I think I have decided here, just by looking at what I have in front of me, that Punxsutawney Phil is more accurate than the cult of climate change. Welcome to the Church of Global Warming. Sorry, I, I just came in to get out of the cold. You don't, you don't mind, do you? Well, you know, the cold outside is due to global warming. Wait, wasn't this the same church that said that this part of the world was going to be a sandy desert by now? Global warming works in mysterious ways. Right, kind of like God works in mysterious ways. Hey, hey, careful how you talk about the Obama. You know, I, I think I'll just wait outside and suffer in the driving blizzard. Besides, it's freezing cold in here. That's because global warming froze over the wind turbine blades in the clouds. And snow and ice cover the solar panels, you idiot! What I would like to say, I'm not going to get this, I know, but it's just one of the things I wish of, is people who are really honest about being reporters that they seek the truth. They really want to see what the truth is. And sometimes the truth is not what you think or believe. Sometimes we, we all hold beliefs, I mean, sometimes really dear to us. We don't want to let them go. There's things that we don't want to be disproven. And yet if a reporter was actually curious and doing his or her job, then if evidence pointed in the opposite direction, they would say, you know, Come to think of it, um, I have to report this accurately, don't I? And so when they take a look at predictions from the cult of climate change, they would give up on it and just say, sorry, but this is, uh, it's just not true. It just isn't true. When we take a look at all the predictions that were made and we take a look at what the scientists are actually saying, then they would have to report something entirely different. But it's not, in fact, here, let me grab something yeah go to my i keep notes hidden on a website just for me uh here we go uh this is a story that has to do with news media and how news media is actually thinking perhaps just perhaps they should just give up on the whole idea of being objective here we go former washington post executive 
editor drop objectivity in journalism altogether. Well, not like they ever really had it, right? Here's the story. First things first, the belief that anything remotely to objectivity has been practiced in a newsroom is a delusion. Well, uh, Dr. Downey, an executive editor, Washington Post, 1991-2008, is now professor at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism, Mass Communications, Arizona State University. These are credentials sure to send a thrill down the leg of liberals and raise red flags for conservatives. In any case, he published a piece in the Washington Post op-ed page that raised eyebrows among conservatives, although he is the only only arguing that newsrooms should continue to do what they have been doing for decades. Push a narrative rather than trying to be objective in their reporting. Here's what he has to say, okay, what this guy actually has to say. Quote, amid all the profound challenges and changes rolling through America newsrooms today, newsrooms are debating whether traditional objectivity should be the standard for news reporting. Well, objectivity is defined by most as expressing or using facts without distortion or perceived beliefs, personal beliefs, or biases. Journalist objectivity has been generally understood to mean that, that same thing. But increasingly, reporters, editors, and media critics argue that the concept of journalism objectivity is a distortion of reality. They point out the standard was dictated over decades by male editors and predominantly white newsrooms, there we go again, reinforcing their own worldview. They believe that pursuing objectivity can lead to false balance of misleading bothisms, whatever that's supposed to mean, in covering stories about race, the treatment of women, different rights, climate change. And in today's diversifying newsroom, they feel it negates their uh, ability to show their own identities and experiences. So in other words, we shouldn't be objective. Well, they never were objective to the first. If they were actually objective, getting back to the cult of climate change, we'd be hearing a different story. 642, Wake Up Wyoming. Your day with a four. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join in at 888-97-WOODS. Six forty-nine is the time off. We go to the ice box to talk to Frank Gambino. So, Frank, uh, did you enjoy that particular flavor of coffee this morning? Well, it wasn't as good as the last one. It really? Okay, you didn't think so, huh? No. What did you think? Uh, I liked it, but uh, I liked more of a bold flavor. Yeah, there, I was. You know, okay. you know, okay. I mean, I'm not going to complain about coffee from you. You okay. know why? Yeah. Because you made it. Okay, yeah. I bought it too because <laughs> I, well, I like I said, like we keep a stash around here and I hadn't had one in a little while. Then for those who don't know, yesterday we didn't have any coffee. We had to figure something out oh, there. Oh, it was so, bad. But, uh, but so, so that one wasn't as good as some of the others that you tend to like. Right, yeah. Okay, do you like a bolder flavor? In, 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 in the morning, yes. Okay. Because I don't want to drink, you know, like 10,000 no. cups. You know, two is about two my is fine. max. Okay. Yeah. So, because uh, that one did say it was a bold, but now I didn't put as much in as I normally do. Maybe uh, I needed a thicker scoop. I may, Maybe, yeah. Okay. I so, mean, but, but thank you for at least absolutely. some yes. kind of additive. Yes, we me. have a stash here from now on until they get their act together. I don't know, for, I, I, I'm Frank, I'm just a little confused. Radio stations used to run on coffee. 
They do. They still do. They do. Okay, because I know several people here who don't drink coffee. What? what? It's un-American. I don't know how they do this. Now, some people have gone to alternatives, like our friend DJ Nike over there. He drinks those. Uh, oh, the energy drinks. The energy drinks That's instead. Gross. Yeah, I've tried a couple of those, and I just don't oh, understand the no, energy drinks thing. No. But he doesn't understand the coffee thing. He just doesn't get the flavor of it, so he goes for the energy drinks instead. I should buy him a six pack of the. It's an energy drink called Liquid Death. Oh, really? That sounds interesting. Liquid death. I did see a coffee brand that was named something very similar that had death in the title. <laughs> death by coffee or something like that. Maybe I should have bought that. There you go. Well, it was National Signing Day in college football. The Wyoming Cowboys have eight new players and a bunch of transfers. Out of the transfers, two are Wyoming natives. Javon Davis from Kelly Walsh, who played at Black Hill State in South Dakota, and Lucas Chappelle from Star Valley, who played at Snow College in Utah. Cowboys also had three in-state signing that will be preferred walk-ons. Abraham Bangora from Laramie is a 4A All-State offensive lineman, so he's just going to go right across town there. Cody Crawford from the Trona, he was a 4A, the 4A lineman of the year, so he'll be headed to Laramie, as well as an outstanding all-around athlete from Thunder Basin and Gillette Caden Laframboise. In junior college basketball from last night, the Casper College women prevailed over Easter Wyoming at the Erickson Gym 88-47 as Flora Goet had 15 points and 11 rebounds. The team also honored longtime head coach Dwight Canary, who has an astounding 500 career wins. Lady T-Birds are 20-3 and three on the year, ranked 19th in the country. Casper College men, they're 17-5 on the year after a 100-69 win over Eastern Wyoming last night. Both the Casper College teams will be at Western Wyoming on Saturday in Rock Springs. LCCC women's basketball team lost Northwest of Paul on the road last night, 76-59. They're 15-6 on the year. The LCCC men's team lost to Paul 80-73, so the Golden Eagles are 11-8. Women's college basketball at the Division One level, the Wyoming Cowgirls will host San Jose State tonight in Laramie. The Cowgirls are 14-7 and seven overall, 7-3 seven in Mountain West Conference play after a row win over Boise State over the weekend. San Jose State has really, really, really struggled. They are 3-18 and 1-9 and and in league play. That's a 6-30 start from the AA tonight. Our latest wildpreps.com basketball poll is out in 4A girls. Cody remains number one. Cheyenne East second. Laramie third. Campbell County fourth. And Cheyenne Central fifth. In 3A, Douglas still number one, followed by Buffalo, Mountain View, Lyman, and Newcastle. Wyoming Indian leads to two-A ranks with Rocky Mountain second, Tongue River third, Camera fourth, and Linglefort Laramie fifth. And in 1A girls, Southeast number one, followed by Burlington, Upton, Riverside, and Cokeville. In our boys poll, Cheyenne East number one, Cheyenne Central two, Riverton three, Jackson four, Sheridan five, Douglas is still number one in 3A, followed by Worland, Powell, Lander, and Lyman. Tongue River number one in 2A, Pine Bluff second, Bighorn third, Rocky Mountain fourth, Wind River fifth. And in 1A, Saratoga one, Burlington two, Southeast three, Cokeville four, and fifth is Little Snake River from Bags. And that's it in so you, we're already getting close to the weekend here. Might actually be able to get out and attend some things. I because, hope so. That'd be nice. Yeah. I mean, even if, I, I, I saw this picture. It's mm. on the I twenty five. Was it like Bordeaux Road or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, like, just, like, <laughs> like something out of yeah. Alaska or yes. the, the Siberia. Yeah. yeah. Well, know? we still have to worry about it because we, as we get into Friday, Saturday, there's still some winds that could blow some things around. <laughs> still? Yeah. But I was watching you know, YDOT over the past couple of days, like I-25, for example. They say it's closed because of drifting. So let's take a look at the cameras. And most of the road looks fine, but every so often you have this heap, big pile. Yeah, big wall of it. Yeah. Yes, and that's what just, they just shut it down after oh that. Boy. So good luck this weekend. Oh anyway. boy. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that national local update on your weather forecast. You guys will join me back after all of that. 
Triple Eight Ninety Seven Woods. The phone number. Wake up, Wyoming. Six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Thursday. I swear I can see the weekend from here. Phone number to get involved, 888-97-WOODS. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. If you're just joining me, not going to spend a lot of time on it this hour, but just to catch you up to speed. So the rat, Pugsitani Phil, predicted six more weeks of winter. He might actually be right this time. And looking at the numbers, gone back a little bit, since the 1960s until today, there's been more than one Punxsutawney Phil, of course. And all they do is they have these two scrolls. One is winter is done, and the other says six more weeks. And they hold Punxsutawney Phil up, and they're waiting for him to sort of look and gesture at one or the other. And whatever he seems to be favoring, whichever scroll he's sort of looking at, oh, that's the one he wants, and there's the prediction, right? And he is wrong two-thirds of the time. All right. I read a list of predictions made by Al Gore and other members of the cult of climate change. Punxsutawney Phil might be wrong two-thirds of the time. The cult of climate change is wrong far more than that. And Punxsutawney Phil is doing this just by whichever way the animal looks. So why do we believe these people? Okay, putting that aside, I'm, I'm going to dig into that a little bit more because I think those numbers are kind of interesting to prove a point. But okay, some things happening in the Wyoming legislators. So Western Heritage Bill passes committee. That's the one that will prohibit communities from banning rodeos, which has actually happened in a few communities. In some states, especially, you know, states like California, but in a few communities. So the story says from Cowboy State Daily, a city apartment filled with hundreds of pit vipers and terminally sick dogs were cited as examples for the Wyoming legislators as concerns that a bill would preserve rodeos and other activities that include working animals. Representative Rachel Rodriguez-Williams Republican of Cody, sponsored House Bill 95 as a measure to prevent the deterioration of Western heritage. She was addressing the House Agriculture and State and Public Lands and Water Resource Committee as a considered Working Animal Protection Act. Her bill would make it so local boards and governments could not put bans on rodeos and other activities that feature animals just because it doesn't align with certain ideologies, she says. It was drafted in response to a growing number of communities in California that are banning rodeos over concern of well-being. Now, I do, like like you, I want to make sure that the animals are well cared for. Of course I do. I think that just makes sense to make sure, hey, we're taking care of these animals, right? They're in good shape. They're happy animals. 
Rodriguez Williams said her bill, HB 95, doesn't take away any local control, despite the fact that it prohibits communities from enacting certain ordinances. But a few people expressed concerns during the committee testimony, like one Laramie veterinarian who said the bill may have unanticipated consequences. He warned that it could eliminate the ability of animal control and sheriff's office to deal with animal abuse. Now, again, none of us want animal abuse, but don't want our rodeos to go away either. So this gentleman mentioned an example of how a Laramie resident was allegedly found with hundreds of venomous vipers in a city apartment a few years back. This person was procuring them, the snakes, to sell to biological companies for developing an anti-venom. Quote, I can hear the person who runs the business saying, well, I kept them under confinement. I can't see how a law, uh, I can see a law case arising, he said. This struck a chord with Representative John Conrad, Republican Mountain View, who requested an amendment to the bill to ensure the health and well-being of working animals. So again, uh, we all want these animals well cared for. Just don't want a rodeo. You don't have to end rodeos to do that. So, okay. One gentleman who, um, oh, oh, Ryan Obekoven, who heads the Wyoming Association of Sheriffs and Chiefs of Police, brought up another potential flaw in the bill that could circumvent law enforcement and local ordinances for taking, can I house my chickens from chicken roping in a town of 364 days a year uh, using filth and stuff like that. Okay, so in other words, people, and and they talked about puppies and other animals in here, and so I understand people want to make sure that animals are well cared for, yet at the same time preserve the rodeo. So what we're talking about here in the state of Wyoming is clarifying the bill and making sure we get the language right. It doesn't really seem that people are disagreeing with the spirit of the bill to keep the rodeo going. But unintended consequences, make sure the language is written properly so we don't have unintended consequences. That makes sense. All right, that's what they're working on right now. That's where we are. Next one, Colorado River fight between Arizona and California could have repercussions for Wyoming. This is another Cowboy Sight Daily story. Uh, Tensions could be rising again over... Plummeting levels of water in the Colorado River between California and Arizona over access to Lake Mead. Officials and water experts from the seven states along with California and its tributaries met last year. They hope to come up with a short-term solution to the drought crisis on the river. States include Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona, California. Now, the good news is we're coming out of the drought. You've seen probably pictures of Lake Mead. It is way down. I mean, really way down. It has been way down before, by the way, but it's way down again because we go through periods of drought on occasion. What I don't want to see as the assumption here as well, it's it's always going to, it's just going to keep, it's just going to keep getting worse. I don't know if it will or won't. We're coming out of a drought right now. We go through periods when Lake Mead is really full and then there's times it's really not. What do you do when it's really not is what I don't like to know. So the headwaters of the river are here in Wyoming. That's where this whole thing begins. The states agreed to have mutual set of water conservation proposals ready by Wednesday, and all but California were on board. 
The commission includes members of Wyoming, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico. A request for commitment from the Wyoming members of the commission and the state engineer came Wednesday. Now, California hesitates. Quote, in December, all seven basin states committed to working toward a consensus approach. Remember, California is also a state that lets a lot of its fresh water just flow out into the ocean. Got to protect that delta smelt, that little guppy fish, you know. So California didn't sign on. Other six states would like to act. Now, the main sticking point between Arizona and California, the states most dependent on Lake Mead, Arizona and other states would like to see releases from Lake Mead limited to about 2 million acre feet of water over the next three years. So what about Wyoming? Both California's proposals, the story says, that uh, favored by six other states are relatively similar, bringing the disagreement over how much water to Lake Mead should be sent. Quote, at least from the upper basin perspective, both proposals would respect existing water obligations. Last year, 500,000 acre feet of water was released from Flaming Gorge in Wyoming to ease the need down river like Lake Mead. Wyoming and other states are under an obligation from a century old Colorado River Compact. And I do remember people were asking about this when it came to our now state representative uh, when when she was running for U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, well, she she's fought to give away Wyoming water and you heard her say, I'm not giving away Wyoming water. Uh, that's not Wyoming's water, even though it's in Wyoming's reservoirs and rivers. And that's because of a deal that was made a long time ago, knowing that western states can be a little low on water from time to time during drought seasons, we started a cooperative. Okay. So that's why a lot of this water from Wyoming gets sent downstream. That's part of the deal we made way back when. All right, good Good news is a lot of snow has fallen and a lot more will, and that could pull us out of this for a while. And that'll last for a few years, and then we'll go back into a drought again, and we'll be having this discussion again. 716, Wake Up Wyoming. Coming from Boring Morning Radio, that man is Glenn Woods. This is Wake Up Wyoming on K2 Radio. Time is 721. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Ah, oh, here they go again with the gas stove thing. All right, a little while ago, just to recap, you heard that some bureaucracy out there wanted to get rid of gas stoves, and which is not possible to do. And I still love Ocasio-Cortez. Googly eyes. Complaining, well, we got we to gotta end gas stoves. They're not safe. They're not healthy. They cause brain damage. To which somebody answered, how many gas stoves do you have in your apartment? Which she does have one. She's saying we got to get rid of gas stoves. She's talking to people by video from her kitchen, and there's a gas stove right there. Her answer to that was, well, it comes with my apartment. I have no choice, period. Well, googly eyes, all you got to do is go down to your local appliance store and pick up. You can get a topper for that that's electric. That basically, you just put it on top of your gas stove. Now you have an electric stove. They're very thin, very good to use. I just plug it in. There you go. You got an electric stove, period. So this was, and I did have your Wyoming Senator Lummis on earlier this week, and she and I were 
talking, she wants to pass legislation to stop the agencies from doing this. And my complaint to her is we still have a problem with allowing government agencies to write law. Bunch of bureaucrats sitting around writing law. Okay, so most agencies are backing off. There's still some states out there and some mayors who want to ban natural gas and so on. But I told you they might back off for a while, but they'll come back. Well, here's the latest, and they now they're and this is typical. They first off try the full approach, and then when that doesn't work, they back off and try the creeping approach. So here we go. The Department of Energy revealed a proposed rule. See again, this is bureaucracy writing law. It's not a rule; it's a law. Wednesday, that would set a new energy conservation standard for gas stoves and electric cooking equipment, according to the announcement. Their proposed rulemaking, lawmaking, would create energy efficiency standards for newly manufactured gas stoves, but wouldn't cap customers' usage of them. According to the new rule, law, a January, uh, in January, a commissioner for the Consumer Product Safety Commission told Bloomberg that the Biden administration was considering a nationwide ban on gas stoves, citing a December 22nd study claiming the stoves accounted for 12.7% of childhood asthma in the United States. However, the study itself was partially funded by two nonprofits that are pushing for American households to go all electric. So here, once again, we have a study that shows yeah, who did the study? What? Let's go take a look at who funded the study, who did the study. What exactly is their game here? Or was it just some study that found? In most cases, like this one, you find out it's, once again, the cult of climate change. And they go ahead and fund the study. And it's just picked up by news organizations without question. A separate 2013 study found that there was no evidence associated between the use of gas stoves, cooking fuels, other like that, and childhood symptoms of asthma and other such problems. But of course, which does your news media grab onto? There's the one study that says there is a problem. There's another study that says there isn't a problem. Which does your news media pick up and run with? Yeah, the one that's going to cause the most <gasps> hyperventilation. This is much like, I'll be picking on this for the rest of my life, that nine-year-old kid who did the study for school where he said Americans use 500 million straws a day and most of them wind up in the ocean. And not one word of that is true. We don't use anywhere near 500 million straws a day and the vast majority of them don't get anywhere near the ocean. Okay, And when you do look at straws in the ocean, we didn't put them there. But still, because of that, some cities went out to ban straws. What about the study that came after that kid's study by a real adult who found out the kid was completely wrong? I don't see the news media all over that. Quote, any new amended energy conservation standards must be designed to achieve the maximum improvement over inefficiency 
that the Department of Energy determines is technologically feasible and economically justified, they said in the summary. Most importantly, this legislation will target electric stoves for the very first time in coordination. They must be using a linear power supply, et cetera, et cetera. The rule, which is a law, would improve the nation's energy savings by 3.4% compared to a scenario where the standards were not applied. Now, here's where, how I would prefer that we do this. If somebody came up with a, a stove that was more energy efficient, not a mandate from the government, but somebody developed a stove that was attractive, affordable, not outrageously, stupidly expensive, and one of the things they got to claim was, hey, this gas stove is very energy efficient, so you're going to use less gas to get the same result. They could just go out and sell that on the marketplace, and it, it would be a big hit, really, for people buying new stoves. Because those people who use gas stoves understand completely that gas can be expensive. So if they can find a more efficient stove sold at a good price, they would buy it. That's where the marketplace decides these things. Rather than government mandating it, I don't mind at all government suggestions. Hey, if you buy this stove over that stove, we think you'll end up saving a lot of money because this one's more energy efficient. And they can go ahead and stick an energy efficient sticker on it. But you, as the consumer, and as free people in what's supposed to be a free country, you should be allowed to make up your own mind on something like this, on what you wanna buy. And that includes when it comes to what kind of, not, not just gas stove, how you heat your water, what kind of washer and dryer you buy for your house, if you choose to buy washers and dryers and what kind, and other appliances in your home. Rather than government mandates, I, suggestions I'm fine with, but mandates, no. Uh, you should be the one making the decision. You're the consumer. You know what's best with your money. You'll make the best decision with your money because it's your money. Coming up on some local news, we got to take care of right after local news update on your weather forecast. You and I get back into it. But then we have another Wyoming legislative update with our man in Cheyenne, Doug, right after that. Day weather explains the forecast from today heading into the weekend. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Thirty-six. The time. Wake up, Wyoming. Hey, Douglas, you're up. Yeah, this is about a giant methane cloud 
over Douglas. And I wondered, did they have some, like, chili-eating contest? And that's why there was a giant methane cloud over Douglas. But here's the story. Again, Cowboy State Daily. A long cloud of methane erupted over Douglas gas plant in December. Tall Grass Energy which owns a facility, told the Wyoming Department of Energy and Air Quality that the company vented off a total of uh, 2.1 tons of methane over an 18-hour period. According to... Now, here's what I don't know. So I would like... If there's somebody in the industry that can explain this to me. Someone did once before, but I just... I'd like to see this problem solved. You know when you're driving by a plant and you see they're flaring gas... And my question was, what are they flaring, and why can't we use it? And I did get a call from a couple of people who are in that industry who said, well, it's usable. There's other gases we used to flare that we don't anymore, and we capture them and use them for various things. But again, when you go through the government regulations, it's not worth it to capture it. Government regulations make it just so impossible to make a profit at it, they just flare it off. So I wonder when you get that much methane and they vent it out, then why couldn't they have captured it, sold it? It's methane. You can use it, you can use it for a lot of things. According to Steve Dawson, spokesperson for Tallgrass Energy, the release was part of a safety operation in this case. This was an intentional release done to ensure the safe and reliable operations of the facility conducted according with regulatory requirements. So, again, this is done according to regulations. That's why they did it. Methane cloud 4.6 miles long came from the Tallgrass facility during the release, according to Bloomberg. Due to the time in which the satellite was over the facility at orbiting Earth, researchers were able to take a look at it. According to the reports that tall grass uh, filed with the Wyoming Department of Environmental Quality, there were five releases, and it talks about what the releases were and what the impacts were. And this is all done according to rules and regulations that were given to them to comply with, which is what they did. But I still look at it as an incredible waste that all of that couldn't have done something with it. That just seems like an awful waste to me. 739, waste up, Wake Up Wyoming. Here's to Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Call Glenn at 888-97-WOODS and make your voice heard. AM 1030, K2 Radio. 745 is the time. Off we go to talk to Don. What's old from day weather? So here's the problem I see, Don. I really like when I take a look at the forecast of the next few days, the temperature just goes up and up and up. But at the same time, for a couple of days anyway, so does the wind. Now, if I want to feel nice and comfy outside, I feel better when it's colder and no wind than when it's warmer and there is wind. I think we have a problem here. Well, if you talk to a lot of people who've lived in the state for any amount of time, I yeah. think they would agree with you. You get to the point where you'd rather just accept the cold because yeah. it won't be windy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's we're going to be on the other end of the spectrum, though, yeah, for a couple days. It's kind of what we're dealing with here, and I wonder, I, I know the next few days temperatures warm up quite a bit compared to where we were, right? 
Yeah, we are talking uh, widespread 40s for sure in far areas of eastern Wyoming around Torrington, Lusk, and that region could even hit the lower 50s. So that's good news for those areas. Very beautiful weather as high pressure continues to build over much of the Rockies, deflecting the cold in the Great Lakes and the snow uh, chances and ice storms are dealing uh they're dealing with those in the southern states around texas and uh, arkansas and those areas so yeah everything's more to the south and northeast and we've got a pretty good here going on okay except though when i take a look at this week and we just got done dealing with a good chunk of wyoming being closed down not because of new snow but because of blowing snow and i worry when we get into like friday saturday maybe maybe even sunday do we have a wind chance that might do that again yeah, in fact, uh, we had some lingering strong winds along I-25 causing closures and high impacts to light and high-profile vehicles. Those have lifted so far on I-25, but they are ongoing in the wind stretches of Arlington, Elk Mountain, along Interstate 80. And the bad news, Glenn, is uh, unfortunately in these wind-prone areas, the winds are really not going to die off. Uh, through Saturday afternoon. The adjacent planes will see them come and go, but if you're traveling in those stretches, continue to see some impacts from those strong winds. Okay, but now I think the good news, let's give some people some good news. It looks to me, when I look at the day weather forecast for next week, it almost doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah, it, it won't be bad. I mean, we're certainly not talking Arctic outbreaks. We're certainly not talking any strong chances for any additional heavy snow. There will be these quick moving systems that may try to clip the region. The western Wyoming mountains still in line for maybe some accumulating snows Sunday night into Monday, and that could stretch around the southern mountains as well, the snowy and Sierra Madres. But really nothing heavy for the adjacent plains, maybe just a uh, smattering of snow showers early next oh, week. It'd be nice to get a little bit of a break. Thank you. Don, appreciate it. That's Don Watzel. He's working over there at Dayweather. So let's go to the icebox now to talk to Frank Gambino. I, I just don't like what I'm hearing. You don't? And Jeff from our esteemed sales office down downstairs showed me a picture of his house in front of his garage, a drift. Oh, yeah. That is in length, yes. probably nine or ten feet. Yes. In width, yes. four, three or four feet. Yeah. In height, uh -huh. probably five feet. Yes, six feet maybe. Needs a front loader. He 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 hasn't even gotten out of his house until today. Yes, my, got a front yeah. loader to get him get him out. Well, in yeah, that's that's why I don't. I can't park behind my house because my house acts like a snow fence, and that's where my garage is. So I can't park back there. Also, you know <laughs> where I am across from the golf course. Boy, you get it bad. And that was a one lane road yesterday. Really. That's how the snow, if you look down to about uh, where, I forget which hole it is, but there's some little bit of a dip valley down there. Mm -hmm. There's no snow left down there. It all blew up onto Oakcrest and made it a one-lane road for a while. So that's Wow. Cool. And, but it is kind of fun to watch them come down with the big Tonka toys to clear all of that. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, except that when it, it the machine blows it really high up in to get, get it back on the golf course and the wind is blowing it back. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like you want to go up to the guy and say, hey, you missed the spot. Yeah, you didn't. No, you don't really want to do that. Okay, I got a good one for you. I uh, went ahead and looked this up, and I put this up as a story on the Wake Up Wyoming site. It turns out, Frank, it actually is romantic to write her name in the snow. 
Really? There's a song about it. Chet Aikens wrote about that a little while ago. Write Actually, your name in the snow. I still write your name in the snow. 1996. Chet Aikens. That was a song that was. I want to see somebody write somebody's name in one of these drifts. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. If you write it in the drift, it's not going to last long. The wind's just going to drift it over there. Well, then you can write some <laughs> other girl's name. Yeah. And, and, and believe it or not, I had a conversation with Miss Mary about this, who does find it incredibly romantic when a guy writes. But he has to write in cursive. He has no choice. Okay. Okay. Uh, Guys prefer women with shorter names. And? Yeah, and it, no Southern names where there's like three, Bell. four names. Right, yeah. If she has a long name, he's just going to put her initials in there. <laughs> he can impress and win points if she has a name that has a, the letter I, and he can dot the I. Uh, with a little heart. Oh, yeah, something like that. Oh. Okay, so... I wrote up an entire guide for guys because apparently writing her name in the snow is a romantic thing that will just make her heart go pitter-patter. At the same time, she's going like, ew. <laughs> it, it goes a long way. It, there's a country song about it, Frank. Well, and that, that says it all, right? That, that certainly you know, does, that, yeah. says, that says it all. National Signing Day in college football. The Wyoming Cowboys get eight new players and a bunch of transfers. Out of the transfers, two are Wyoming natives. Javon Davis from Kelly Walsh, who played at Black Hill State in Spearfish, South Dakota, and Lucas Chappelle from Star Valley, who had played at Snow College in Utah. Pokes also have three in-state signees that will be preferred walk-ons. Abraham Vangora from Laramie is a 4A All-State offensive lineman. Cody Crawford from Natrona, the 4A lineman of the year. And an outstanding all-around athlete, Caden LaFramboise from Thunder Basin. In Junior college basketball from last night. The Casper College ladies prevailed over Eastern Wyoming from Torrington at the Erickson Gym, 88-47. Flora Goet had 15 points and 11 rebounds. The team also honored longtime head coach Dwight Ganeri, who has an astounding 500 career wins combined with Miles City and Casper College. Lady T-Birds are 20-3. and They're ranked 19th in the country. Casper College men, they're 17-5 on the year after a 169 win over Eastern Wyoming last night. Both the Casper College teams will be at a Western Wyoming on Saturday. The LCCC women's basketball team out of Cheyenne, lost to Northwest DePaul on the road last night, 76-59. They are 15-6 on the year. The LCCC men's team lost to Powell, 80-73, so the Golden Eagles are 11-8. In women's college basketball at the Division I level, the Wyoming Cowgirls hosting San Jose State tonight in Laramie. Cowgirls are 14-7 overall, 7-3 in Mountain West Conference play after a road win over Boise State over the weekend. San Jose State has really struggled this year. They are 3-18 and 1-9 and and in league play and is a 6-30 star from the AA tonight. Our WyoPreps.com basketball poll is out in 4A girls. Cody remains number one, Cheyenne's two, Laramie three, Campbell County four, and Cheyenne Central five. In 3A, Douglas stole number one, followed by Buffalo, Mountain View, Lyman, and Newcastle. Wyoming Indian leads the 2A ranks with Rocky Mountain second, Tongue River third, Kemmerer fourth, and Lingle Fort, Laramie fifth. In 1A girls, Southeast number one, followed by Burlington, Upton, Riverside, and Cokeville. In our WyoPreps boys poll, Cheyenne stole number one, Cheyenne Central two, Riverton three, Jackson up to four, Sheridan and five. Douglas is still number one in 3A followed by Warland, Powell, Lander, and Lyman. Tongue River number one in 2A. Pine Bluff second. Bighorn third. Rocky Mountain fourth. Wind River fifth. And in 1A, Saratoga ranked first followed by Burlington, Southeast, Cokeville, and Little Snake River. I was watching. There's a video. We'll get it up on the Wake Up Wyoming site of one of those big uh, Tonka toys heading down. You know the kinds that eats the snow and spits it out? Oh, like a big auger kind yeah, of thing? Yeah. And it was working in front of my house going down the road at night. Those are, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it has all the lights on. Mm -hmm. And so you can really get a good look at the snow shooting up through as they shoot it back onto the golf course. 
What, what's, a, what's that um, that that movie with Optimus Prime? Oh yeah, the Transformers. The Transformers. That's yeah. what that's what that's that looks really, like at night. Yeah. But again, because it was windy, what I think probably is frustrating to the driver of that machine is, yeah, a lot of that is just blowing right back at him. As he's trying to blow it. He can't go the other way because he'd be dropping it on everybody's house. Right. He may be yeah. on the same street for all night. He probably, they'll head back up there. Because like I said, yesterday, that was a one-lane wow. street. So, wow. thank Frank. Coming up on some local business we got to take care of. News time right after that. National local update on your weather forecasts. We get into open phones. Triple eight ninety seven woods Wake up, Wyoming. time it's wake up wyoming it is a thursday so we're like on was it uh saturday eve i think it is how that was weekend even the the friday eve i don't know how that works anyway i can see the weekend from here and we're getting into open phones morning Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones this means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven woods the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Uh, real quick, for those who are just joining in, I did point out that Punxsutawney Phil, that giant rat that's supposed to predict whether we get six more weeks of winter or not, did predict six more weeks, which I think this year he might actually be correct. But he's been doing this since the 1960s, and he is wrong two-thirds the time. And to that, I went and looked up some statistics and found out that the cult of climate change is wrong about their extreme climate predictions even more than that, far more than that. So let's put that on the back burner for just a minute. Some of the notes I'm getting in, let's see, my sister is in Lake Wills. Oh, wait, 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 hang on. CJ in Cheyenne. <laughs> <clears throat> So, okay, uh, CJ, uh, should I get into this? You, you know, CJ, I'm putting yours aside for just a minute because that's good and it's got to go with the story. So let's go to my sister who's in Lake Wales, Florida. And I just thought this was interesting. So they had to get their roof done there in Lake Wales, Florida. She said she has a government issue paying $13,000 for a new roof only to find out it's inspected by the city inspector who doesn't own a ladder. What? Why are we paying him? He just drives by and signs off on the roof? Yeah, there's no way this guy is legitimately inspecting roofs unless he's going up there. Are other people are supposed to have the ladder for him? No, she said, we now we have flunked a home inspection because of a new roof 
and I called the guy out again, the roofing company had to leave a ladder for him. Huh. Okay. You would think that an inspector that's working for the city or the county, in your case, whatever the case is, uh, would actually show up with his own equipment to do that. If not, and having to call the guy out again, and they have to pay for that inspection? Yeah, I'd be I'd be out there complaining about that. I, I would make sure to complain, because there's no way this guy can inspect a roof without getting, I can't get up there, I can't inspect it, therefore you flunked the inspection. Is that what you're doing? Uh, it, it, no. Guy should show up competently with everything he needs to do his job, if not, don't blame the homeowner for something like that. Okay, now I gotta get to CJ's comment because this was really good. Miss Mary, you might wanna pay attention when I get to the part of the story where I mention CJ's comment because Miss Mary, I think you'll really like it. So I found a song this morning. Let's go back to those people who remember Chet Aikens. The song is a really romantic one. Winter time. Guy's out in the snow thinking about his lost love. I'm almost sorry now I caught you messing around Cause you packed up your pickup And boogied out of town Well, darling, I think you'd like to know That I still write you in the snow Okay, so you see how uh, sad and romantic that song is at the same time. Yeah, that's Chet Aikens for you. I still write your name in the snow. And I started thinking about this. That has always been considered a very disturbingly sweet thing that women at one point look at uh, someone's name written in the snow, their own name written in the snow. And on one hand, they go, ew. But on the other hand, he's thinking about me. And they think of it as sweet and romantic. So, of course, we started to drill down on this. And... Uh, there's a lot of videos about writing your name in snow, but it's people who are walking around doing it or writing it with sticks. That's not what we're talking about here. So, if you think about it, a guy has no choice but to write your name, ladies, in cursive. Guys prefer women with shorter names. If you have a long name, he might just use your initial he, you should be impressed if your name has an I and he's able to dot the I. And that's where we get to CJ's comment, writing her name. What if dad noticed that her name was in her own handwriting? See? that <laughs> He's got a point there. Randy's in Casper. Hello, Randy. Hey, Glenn, I got two things for you. Yes, sir. The cure for the rising ocean. Okay. Okay. California builds a whole bunch of desal plants, okay. okay? Yeah. And they pump all that fresh water into their reservoirs, their underground uh, pumping stations sure, for sure. Uh, the farmers and all that. And then they can sell the excess to the states that don't have enough water yeah. and leave the Colorado River alone. There you go. That's not, Now, here's the only flaw with that. Desalinization plants, while they do work... They need a lot of energy to do what they do. And California refuses to purchase reliable energy. They're trying to do this all on wind and solar power. They would have to put a coal-fired power plant next to their desalinization plants in order for this to work, and they're not going to do that. 
In Australia, they did it, mm-hmm. and they increased their farm production by 30%. There, see? Proving that it works. Okay. Yeah. It's a great idea. Thing, yeah, the other thing, yeah. you're talking about the taxes for the highways. Yeah. Well, every time you and I buy a gallon of gas, we pay X amount of tax dollars, right? Right, yeah. Okay. Electric cars are heavier mm-hmm. than the regular cars. Do more damage, yeah. Okay. When are they going to start paying, according to the liberals, their fair share of taxes? Exactly. Now, and that would really upset them because electric cars are outrageously expensive and already get a lot of tax subsidies and tax breaks. So right. it would really upset, and yet still they're outrageously expensive. So what they were right. thinking about doing in government was have a mileage usage. In other words, there'd be a little uh, something in the vehicle to uh, to keep track of how many miles the vehicle drove, and they would be taxed right. on that. Yeah, that would make them really happy. Uh, that really, oh yeah, they would just be thrilled with that, right? Well, yeah. Or when they purchase their license plates. Just have a flat fee of sure. two or three thousand dollars. Yeah, every time they buy plates for an electric car, oh, and that turn that money food to the road and tax. But I, I like your idea of of saying to them, "Well, everybody has to pay their fair share, right?" That's right. Oh, that drive them crazy. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate so it. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Just wake up, Wyoming. This Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Join the show at 99897 Woods. It's the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming, 888 woods the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. So here's another one. Once again, Cowboys Day Daily. They've had a lot of great articles. The story is varmint-blasting enthusiasts say it's getting tougher to kill prairie dogs. Now, I have to point out, yes, prairie dogs get way out of control. And those of you out there who work the land, you know, they can get way out of control. And so we do have to reduce their numbers. And you don't want them to be poisoned and stuff. So what do we do about that? Well, hang on. I'll get, because as I get into the story, I have something very interesting that I'm noticing about the picture that goes with the Cowboy State article and then the article itself. We got uh, Mike. and I don't see Mike coming up on my phone here, Miss Mary. If you can go, if, if he's there... Send him on through, and I'll go ahead and call him up. Uh, well, I, and while she's working on that, okay, here's what I'm noticing about the picture. There is a gentleman who's sitting in a nice, comfortable uh, folding chair. Well, hang on. There's Mike. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Glenn. I was listening to Sean Hannity yesterday, mm-hmm. and Mr. Hannity mentioned that they're banning, they want to ban wind turbines off the coast of New Jersey right. because they're killing whales. Right. That's now. Yep. That's one of the theories because within just a few months, a lot of whales have started washing up on the coastline, and so the question is, well, what exactly is killing them? And one of the theories is because they just put a wind farm out there. That's the new thing. We didn't have uh-huh. whales coming up on the shore dead 
until they put the wind farm out there. So the question is, is that what's doing it? Now, that question has to be answered. But you know, of course, the people who are in favor of those turbines don't want to hear that any more than they want to talk about bird kills or bat kills. Right. Yeah, it's probably, if it is, it's, it's a low-frequency hum from the rotating blade. I would think, yeah, something like that, yeah. Confusing and, uh, them, and they end up in the wrong place, and they get stuck. Yeah. Um, oh, one other thing is, you wouldn't have happened to hear what, how our Free or Freddie in, in Arizona was doing for predicting winter and spring, did you? No, I didn't. How 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 good or bad? No, when we were down, well, I were for your Freddy's a diamondback rattlesnake, and we all used to, when I lived down there, everybody was waiting for his forecast. Okay. Maybe here we should have a buffalo or a grizzly bear. I would think. We winter. do have our own version, I'll have to look it up again, of an animal here uh -huh. in Wyoming. And that's more accurate than Punxsutawney Phil, but still not good. I still like that uh, yeah. Punxsutawney Phil is wrong two-thirds of the time, and that's still more accurate than Al Gore. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, you can get a better forecast using a Ouija board oh, and my God, a yeah. tarot yeah. card. Yeah, just throw a dart at something like that. would be better off. I know. All right. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. It's Mike and Laramie calling in. All right. Get back to this story real quick here. This is a story from Cowboy State Daily about how it's getting tougher to blast prairie dogs. Now, again, we have to bring down the number of prairie dogs just because they really can get out of control. If you live out here, you work the land, you know, right? Do you want to poison them? No. That's, that's bad on a lot of different levels. So some people go out there, and they this guy sets up a nice uh, folding chair. He has a really good-looking tripod, and on top of it, he has a gun with a scope, and he just waits until they pop up and look around, and then he pegs them. Now, what gets me about the story is what he's using to shoot the prairie dogs is an AR-15. Yeah, well, you're told by the anti-gun crowd, well, you can't go hunting with one of those guns. See, they think it's a machine gun. What, are you going to go? No, it doesn't do that. The civilian version of the gun is a single-shot semi-automatic rifle with a little round that's usually a two-two-three, Tiny little round, but very fast and very accurate. And oftentimes, hunters go out there with the AR-15 for rabbits, squirrels, birds, turkeys, you know, stuff like that. Something that you can go ahead and sight in, take your time, and pop off it an accurate round. And yes, groundhogs. So the picture is this guy shooting groundhogs. He's got an AR-15 style rifle on a nice tripod that sits up high because he's sitting up in a folding chair. And he's got a big scope. Oh, you'd love the scope he has in this thing. So yes, people do hunt with those rifles. Dan Kinnaman still remembers the story, says, making jaw-dropping kills on the prairie dogs from over a mile away near Rock Springs. Impressive shot guy. If he says he's doing it from over a mile away and he's killing a prairie dog? A mile, that's 1,760 yards. He said, and this is a quote, he was a young one. Not like those big, fat prairie dogs you see down in Colorado, he said. I think the bullet just bruised the side of his neck, and the conclusion, the bullet pass, uh, passing is actually what killed him. He made the shots with a twenty, uh, a two twenty grain uh, bullet from a uh, three hundred was it a .300 Remington Ultra Magnum rifle 
and some of it's customized himself. But in such an extreme range, smaller cartridges and lighter bullets are more susceptible to the effects of wind. And he gets into the details on that. He says the opportunities are getting scarcer. While reflecting on the shot, he mused that the glory days of prairie blasting might be over in Wyoming. You can tell me if you think he's wrong or not. He said we had some pretty good prairie dog towns in Rock Springs until the guys started coming up from Colorado, bought all of the leases, and shot them out. Varmint shooting enthusiast in places like Greensville, South Carolina, ventures to Wyoming over the summer for that opportunity. He said it's getting tough. There's crowds. See, I was thinking when I first saw the title that maybe the prairie dogs were getting wise to what was going on because prairie dogs can be kind of smart. But no, 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 no. Too many people are showing up to have fun varmint hunting, which the state of Wyoming has been encouraged. He said when the wind gets around 40 miles an hour and you're trying to hit a target 600 yards, it helps to have a heavier bullet. And again, then he gets into what he likes to use. Any ranchers need dogs gone for his 2023 shooting season? He's trying to get productive. He recently put a post on Facebook asking ranchers in Platte County where they need his marksman services. Ranchers are known to be not too fond of prairie dogs because the rodents burrowing tear up fields, holes, their dens can be very bad for cattle and horses you know you get broken legs stuff like that so he said i try i used to try going around knocking on doors in wyoming but that didn't work however that tactic did result in an interesting encounter with a rattlesnake one time he said he was at the door of a ranch house he said i saw a cat crouching behind the grill heard the buzzing sound wow here's a picture of a guy hunting prairie dog with a bow and arrow wow that's pretty good. See, some of these guys, to be able to shoot a prairie dog at that range, first off, with the rifle, then here's a guy hunting prairie dog with a bow and arrow. This is some pretty impressive marksmanship here. Story says the grassland is managed by the Forest Service and some area agencies confirmed that there was a massive prairie dog die-off from a plague in between 2016 and 2017, and the population hasn't recovered. And then there's a lot of people coming from out of state that want to go varmint hunting because what a good time that is. And this can be literally where you, like the picture that's shown here, he sets up a uh, a nice chair and he's got a tall tripod so he can sit up, right? And then he's got this really nice rifle on top with this big scope. And then he just spends a little time plugging away, popping down the, con- the the population a bit. Because, again, they had gotten way out of control. It was that or poison them. Or there's that big vacuum machine from Colorado. That's fun to watch. If you haven't heard of that before, I'd be happy to tell you about it. Coming up on 830. Local news coming through. Right after local news. Update on your weather forecast. Then a nice long segment of open phones. 888-97-WOODS. Wake up, Wyoming.